We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. (laughs) Hi, we're back live at WTY Podcast. We there yet? I'm Rich Kiamko, and I'm here on location in New York City with Dion Flynn. Dion Flynn here, everybody. Really excited about being here. You can't see this, but we're looking out on beautiful NYC right now. We're way, way up in the sky. Yeah, we're floating, and it's a really weird, it's a very weird, unseasonably warm, is it 70-something degrees Thank today? you for saying that. I felt bad. I didn't want to say it was like a hazy, weird day, because it's November, <laughs> and I didn't want people to think, like, what, what, are, what are we in the end times, the right. biblical end times? <laughs> right. We're just going to, there's going to be a rapture in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> God's coming for us. That's right. Now, for, for our listeners out there, Dion Flynn is the Obama on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. That's right. Man, I'll tell you something quick. Yesterday, I auditioned for um, uh, a role as Obama on Person of Interest, J.J. Abrams' Person of Interest, and I got to meet Luis Ortiz. You can look him up. He is the best Barack Obama as far as looks, and it was a non-speaking role. The idea was he's going to come in, there's going to be an assassination attempt, and then they squirrel you out, and the Secret Service dives on you or whatever. That's what I had to do in the audition. I go in, they made me mime like I was being shot at. I was waving everybody, and then I got the Secret Service dived on me, and then I looked around, and then I got shoved back down. I had to act all that out. But anyway, this guy, Luis Ortiz, he looks frighteningly like Barack Obama. Right. right. And I felt I, I didn't even want to audition. I because I don't I look like if Obama had a baby with the Grinch. That's what I was about <laughs> to say. Or if Obama had a baby with a with a Geico caveman or Frankenstein. Because of these caterpillars up here. <laughs> but I'm the funniest. I am the funniest and smartest Obama No, I mean I'm a I'm, there's only like five of us, the Barack Obama impersonators. But it's your your the sound of your Obama if I, I was so excited to have you on the podcast, because the sound is almost, you, you have to do a genome test to yes. see if it's a different person. Wow, I really appreciate that because it's something I labored over for a long time. I was worried about it. When I was, I was doing characters on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, I did like 12 characters I counted up, and um, where, I don't know where my eye focus should be. I don't know whether I address the patrons of the, uh, of the podcast <laughs> or to talk to you. You just I, talk to me, and they'll be—they're just peeking in on us. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, a, so I'm looking at you. Um, isn't that weird? It's like a weird performative question. Like, do I play to the? I kind of live my life that way. Right. I'm sort of playing to the camera. Right. Do you do that? You ever notice you do that? What? Oh, when with, I just pretend it's not even there. I'm just, just in with, your I, life. I'm just, oh, in my life. Well, you know, I have to watch myself because sometimes you're like, okay. I'm annihilating these civilians. I should just hang out at this party uh, and let go. Right. I mean, you know, like it's fun, and then it's like, oh right, just never, just let's just be here. Will you <laughs> rant? You mean you will just rant like a stark raving biblical prophet at a party? No. What do you mean? No, but like someone will be doing whatever. Uh-huh. Like if I hang, because my my partner is is Anglo waspy right. Canadian, and we'll be at some event, right. and it'll be me and then all of his people, uh-huh. and then no one, like they're all waiting in the, in the foyer for me. I'm sitting in the kitchen, but no one wants to say we're ready to go. I'm like, right. I'm waiting, because we're all gonna go out, but no one wants to say we're going out now. Uh. So I'm like, okay, does it? how many wasps does it take to say we're ready to go? Like no one, like I'll make a joke about it, and they're all laughing, because re- to them it's ridiculous. To me, I'm like, 
but no one wants to say, no one wants to be pushy. All right, you know what it is? I know exactly what you're talking about. Let's get to the heart of this, and I'll get back to the Fallon late night progression. I'm not duck ducking that. <clears throat> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's these, my, my mother was, was Italian, and she married me into this white Anglo-Saxon Protestant family, okay? So I had a white father and this white relative. So wait, you were adopted? Yeah, I was adopted by my, my father. My mother was, uh, you know, Italian and Irish, and she had me with a black man, and then she didn't really, she didn't stay with him or anything, and then just had just me and her floating around in space. Found a white husband when I was like two and a half, three years old. Got married, so I was raised. I was the only brown kid in my trailer park. That's the name <laughs> trailer of trailer park, that, right? That's the name of my show. <clears throat> so when you say wasp, I'm thinking a lot of us aren't necessarily thinking of trailer park. We're thinking of like upper crust, snooty, right? But there's this thing where my mom would be. She would call it. I'm the only one who ever says it. That's what she she would say. She, would, but I think it's ethnic. I huh. think it's that she was a little more European, a little more Italian, a little more expressive and opera and tears of a clown, you know, right, Pagliacci. Right, right, right. And she was like, I'm the only one that ever says what everyone's thinking. And because there's so many repressed feelings in the Wasp community, right? right I think right. we can both say that, being right. the two brown guys in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no repressed white people to come over and go, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I wouldn't say that because I can't express that I don't agree. <laughs> I'll just frown. Is this what you brown people talk about when you get together? <laughs> talk about the repression of the whites? Well, there's that. And, and there's also this thing where white people... They just like to hang out near each other. And they just, it doesn't matter what they're doing. I don't mean to get all, I felt Bill Cosby there for a second. <laughs> right. up, just to get all the smash and then it'll be with the smashing and the being. Because it's not even cool to do anymore. Right, It's right. like you're not making a. Why am I woozy? I feel sleepy. <laughs> Why do I have Botox in my forehead? <laughs> Sorry, that's two different references. Well, what's the Botox one, though? Well, that's all. There's all these people coming forward now that have all these Botox things that are saying that. Oh, you know, right. So because, it was, it was, yeah. the woozy thing was the actual act. And then. No, that Botox. one was clear. That one was very clear right, to right. me. Has anyone ever uh, drugged your drink? No, no. That doesn't I've been drugged. You have. I was drugged. I won't mention any names. But I was at this pro in this process in this sort of spiritual journey towards just making my relationships better. And I needed to reach out to someone and say, hey, you know, I was a bad boyfriend. And this woman, I hadn't talked to her in a lot of years. And I said, you know, I did this, I did that, and it was bad, and I get it now, and I'm, I'm sorry. And she said, well, don't worry about all that too much. <clears throat> because you remember the night that you and your friend from the Army came over? Um... Well, I got into my head that your friend from the army had stolen money out of my mother's, uh, uh, not Con Edison, but whatever the power bill company was out in the West. Got it in my mind that he stole money from my mom's money envelopes. So when you guys came over, you remember those tequila sunrises I made you guys? I put sleeping pills in those. You guys fell asleep. I took your ATM card. I knew it was your birthday was your pin. And I went and got the money that I thought I was owed, and I brought it back, put it back in your wallet. You were sleeping. You woke up the next day. You had no idea. This was 15 years after the fact. And I said, well, thank you, whatever her name was. Uh, I don't wait, feel so bad. Yeah. She cleared wait, She She looked at your account, but then what? She cleared you out? No, no, no. Not at all. She, she just took just the money she thought my friend had stolen from her <sighs> mother's uh, power bill money. Oh, my God. Envelope. And you didn't notice? I had no idea. I'd been knocked out. 
Because I, I used to drink heavily back then, so I was just like... So you're not sure if it was just drinking or drinking? I'm sure now that it wasn't drinking, that was a night where I was put to sleep on pills so that she could uh, take the funds back, took back the money. But your friend didn't do that. I don't know. I don't know where she got that idea. Um, and there's no way to prove either way. I mean, we could really drag everybody back into it after 25 <laughs> years now. The $68. For the like $42, I think it was. It was like 40 bucks. I think she took two 20s out of my account and was like, left the $2. It was like, you know, ATMs don't distribute. Now they do, though. ATMs distribute singles. Really? And small bills. Yes. Chase Bank for one. Some other... You can go in and get money out by the the bill. By oh, it's dollar. It should be. It should have been that way all along. Wow. There were times when you know, times there were rougher times when I really could have used just the, the one dollar withdrawal. But now to get like I like to have ones in my pocket for whatever I need it for. Oh, like tips or whatever. Tips. Handing them out to the homeless. Uh, Anything else I could say right now that would make me sound egalitarian <laughs> and humanitarian. As I'm rebuilding the village As, after yes, the monsoon. That's, there's a monsoon village that I take a flight to, and I just got to have ones in my pocket when I get off the plane. <laughs> just what they need to make it rain again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Rich Campco. Wow. This guy's is, into comedy. Yeah, well, that's why I had you here. Make it rain again. That was very, very good. That was, for those of you that were asleep on that one, <laughs> He's suggesting I'd be paying out ones to these poor villagers, a la the strip clubs that I've heard about, which I do not go to. Oh. And that's not just a shout out to my wife. She knows very well I don't go. But there was a time. Oh. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, going to like strip clubs? I used to find the weirdest, darkest places. I can't go. I literally can't go into details, but I just had a flare taste, a sniffer for the dark side of town. Right, the right. dark side of town. Do you ever find yourself just like we we won't go into specifics, okay? But well, I I remember my first year in New York. I I was I was already out when I was fourteen, but I had never, you know, I was in a small town, so and I hung out in Chicago, but I never, I was not like living in Chicago. I was still living at my parents' house in the middle of nowhere. So, Where's that? Uh, Wooddale, Illinois. So it's like okay. it's way out. It's like seventeen miles west of Chicago, but at okay. the time it was just cornfields. But living in New York. I remember I went to an adult movie theater and I was like, oh my, I could, like, my whole body was shaking. How just old to be were there. you? I was like 17, 18. Yeah, of course your body's shaking. You're not, you know it's illicit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's dark and it's creepy and you're like. You know what's about to happen. You have a sense of there's something. There's stuff happening where there's people, there's some guy reaching over and I'm like, oh my God, I was just, you Oh, know. this was the kind where the guy would reach over and try to like interact right, with you? Right, right. I mean, you know, I, I didn't. Anyway, this is, I have no idea we're going to go there, but. Okay, no, but, we don't have to. The, but, no, but, but that, the details don't matter. Let's just suffice it to say. Right, right, right. Right. We've gone to these weird places, right? Because I won't, I won't, I wouldn't give you the details of some things I've seen in other countries. Right. I mean, it's just crazy. But the thing I want to bring up is the ability certain people, like myself, have of just like radar finding the dark place. You know what I mean? And I've been, I, I, I don't drink or do drugs anymore. I did years ago, but and for like nineteen years, that stuff used to go hand in hand. Wow. The dark side of town, the destructive, self-destructive behavior. Right. Right. But now I'm living in the glory land. Well, now, I mean, what, where were you born? How did you get to New York? Like, what was, like, in Trailer Park. So this is, how much of that only brown kid in the trailer park, is it all factually true? You came and saw my solo show. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I saw you 
you did an excerpt yes. of it. It was you, Joy Behar, at the Poisson right. Rouge. So it was only a segment of it. That's right. But the part that I heard, I was I was wondering, like, wow, is this totally confessional? Like, did you reach into your... Like, there's something... I mean, this is what I remember. Right. Maybe this is totally not what happened. Right. But did you... Sneak into your grandmother's trailer and steal from her purse? I did. Oh, my God. Did I say that out loud? I can't believe I shared that out loud. Well, maybe no. that wasn't the original. That was not the, the final version. In this version I saw at right. Poisson Rouge. Well, know. it's been one, it's one of the biggest uh, lingering like guilt things I had in my whole life. Because how old were you? I was <laughs> 10 or 11 years old. And what I would do is I would I was money laundering. I would. <laughs> you're 10 and you're money laundering? I was money laundering. Here's what happened I would take like a $20 bill from my grandmother, okay? And I needed to be able to account for that money. So here's what I did I took my parents from the trailer, you know, up to the local super thrift grocery store, and I said, Look, mom and dad, you can help people with their groceries and you can make money. And I would show them, like, here I'm helping somebody with their bags. My cousin called it bagging and begging, he was like putting it down as an activity. You, look, and you get a quarter and you get a dime, you get a 35 cents or whatever. You help somebody with their bags. It's a little like invasive. It was like the people who in the city w want to wash your car hood. You know what I mean? Mm. But this was like very rural. I was one of the entrepreneurs of bagging and begging <laughs> at the super thrift. But now I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, it's so, you know, it's it's the people. You know, I know how I feel when someone comes up to your car window or uh, tr tries to force you to take a squeegee, you know. Right, right. But anyway, I wasn't forceful at all. I was a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid. But the point is I showed them, here I am making the money. Here's oh, making a quarter. That's how you made your 20. That's right. And that and what I no, it went a little bit further the laundering. Then I stole like a $20 bill, let's say. When they weren't around, I went to the bank. I got change in pennies, nickels, quarters. Put all that in my pockets, came home, dumped it on the floor, showed my mom that this was how much money you could make. Oh my God. So that's laundering the money, changing the form so that the authorities don't see where it's coming from. Oh my God. Yeah, it's misspent intellect and misspent. That's a lot of energy. A though. lot of energy. Really creative energy. A lot of Channeled creative in some weird. A wrong way, you know, wow. misguided energy. Where but did you learn that? I don't know. How did I learn to be like that? You could call it resourceful. You could call it devious. You could call it sinful. You could call it, you know the survival uh innovative code. innovative <laughs> i right. mean i guess it's sort of the same it's sort of like a, yes. a sword that you can use to you i don't know a hammer you can build a village or you can poke your eye out. i don't know fire you can cook a meal burn a village right right you right. know it's the same thing exactly and hopefully nowadays i'm using my because i'm very honest now i'm, I'm, I'm ridiculously scrupulous down to the penny you can ask people it's maddening sometimes how even steven and clear i want to be about things i think because of that old karma right from when i was a kid and i was just somehow i'd clicked something in my mind that said i just need what i need and that's it you know um so I was, you know, I, I just saw like my grandparents were better with their money than we were as our family. Like, uh, but you're all in a trailer park, so it's we're, right. We're all just so it's all relative, <laughs> right. right? But even within that, right? It's like, bitch, don't call me Spanish. I'm Mexican. You know, some people get really like offended inside the same group, right? And you don't know what the differentiations are, right? right? You know right, what I mean? Right, right. But that's what it is. Like, you know, 
they were like they had a double wide trailer. We had a single wide uh, trailer. Okay, so they, they were they were doing nicely in those terms and by right. the definition in the rank, in the pecking order of the trailer exactly. park. Exactly, they were yeah, because it's you know yeah yeah. It just like shows you that anywhere you go, there's a pecking order, right? You know, and there's these little distinctions. I used to think of it in terms like I would come to a new. I was in the army for four years. I would go to a new military base. You'll know this from New York City. I would go to a new military base, and I wasn't accustomed to the layout of the place. Okay, and I'd been all over the world, and I had been run away when I was 17 years old, so I was all over the country. So my sense of what's near and what's far were very different. I arrived at the base. I remember I had a car. I arrived at Fort Drum, New York, and I said, let's just jump over to this part. They were like, that's all the way over on the other side of the base. And I was thinking... I've just come from all over the world. I've been in Korea. I've lived in Korea for a year. I hitchhiked up the West Coast when I was 17. All the way on the other side of the base. But you feel that when you come to the city. Like, people are like, visitors will be like, let's go jump up to, you know, go to Midtown. Or let's go run over to, and you're like, that's all the way up in Midtown. <laughs> that's going to take me 15 minutes. Yeah, it's going to take me 15 minutes. Uh, you know what I mean? The relative distances. It may not apply to what we were talking about before about the relative distinct distinctions within a pecking order. Right, right. But I often think of that in the same way. Do, do you know what I mean? Right, right. But still, so, so you... Started taking the money, you were right. laundering it. You really want to get back to well, this? I just no, that, but, so, but, I but what's interesting is because right. because your creative talent right. now, you fabricated this incredible story. Right. But you now, well, I was a writer. You fabricate these characters. Fabricate, you fabricate right. this experience. Yes. So it even though it was say you this force was used on the dark side when you were a child. Right. Now. <laughs> that's good. That's a good right? Darth Vader. Right. But, yeah. But Luke, now, Here, listen to my James Earl Jones. Luke, I am your father. Is that good? <laughs> okay. Can you forgive me, though? Can you forgive me, father? <laughs> no, wait, I, 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 need, I need to be forgiven Who by my you? father. Yeah, I need to be Luke. Wait, I need to be me, and you could be Luke. Darth Vader as my dad forgiving okay. me. Okay, good. And so you need your dad's <laughs> forgiveness, okay? Uh, Rich, I am your father. <laughs> I have been in uh, the Philippines for these last years, but here I am now. The empire is strong. I want you to join me and come back over to the Philippines where we shall rule. <laughs> that's like you're telling me to go to medical school. That was the, <laughs> that's the medical school agenda. That's the dark side. <laughs> uh, is that where you were supposed to go? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, he's around still, right? My parents, like, my parents, my mom and my dad live in uh, the same house that I grew up in outside of Chicago in Wooddale. 17 miles west of Chicago. 17.2 miles west of the city. And my mom was a doctor. My dad was an engineer. They both wanted me to become, you know, either a doctor or okay, you can fall back and be an engineer. Oh, if you right, yeah, if, 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 you, if right. you can't, if you can't hack it as a doctor, right. at least you have engineer. Yeah, engineer to fall back on. Right, right, right. We right. will, we'll forgive that. Right, it's okay. It's like sort of, I don't know. That's or, tough, man, because your mother's she's got the ethical high ground on you, and the 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 study. It's a tough one to beat. In right. terms of mental, like saying, "Well, screw her. She's she's a doctor." I mean, it's like, yeah, she's right. helping people. And they came from poverty in the Philippines, and they made it here. And they, you know, from from you know uh, being a maid in someone's house while you go to to grade school, so you could be get money to oh, go. Oh, you, you know, must feel terrible so every time now, they bring I'm, up anything. Right, I'm a pole dancer. That's what I do. I'm a pole dancer. You, look at this. But Comedy. basically, that's what they're thinking, right? right? I mean, they love me. It, it's been a long journey, right? But I still, it doesn't, it just doesn't register as something that, you know, it's sort of like I'm Mac and they're PC. It's, it wow. doesn't, 
It doesn't. They wow. love me. Actually, one. It's funny. My dad did get off a plane in Montreal after they're visiting my partner's family. Yeah. He landed off the plane. He's like, uh, Richard, I, uh, I looked you up on YouTube, and I saw your comedy. You are very confident. It is very good. Oh, that's and I was nice. Like, I just look at him like. You are not my father. <laughs> wow. First of all, you do a very good. What's his first name? Uh, Roberto. You do a very good Roberto. I don't mean to give out personal information. I don't want people <laughs> looking them up in Woodlawn. But you do a very good Roberto Kiemko. Well, I know how to sound disappointed in myself. <laughs> wow. That must be the tape that plays that's all the, tape, the time. Right. I mean, sometimes, at least when you're not overcoming it on a good right, day. Right, right, right. But that's yeah. the thing. The tapes get planted. And you've caused me to reflect on this, but now I want to bounce it back to you. Did you steal when you were young? Were you were you dishonest? I well, this is the funny thing. Uh, I remember I would stick my hand in the gumball machine at the store. Who didn't? And the if you squeeze right. open those springs, they it was like you know. And I remember the day I stuck my hand in, and it was they had that blocking device. Oh, and I was like. <gasps> They found out. They caught me. They I thought knew. it was me. I thought I was the you only one. You were the one, one right? Exactly. So you that was one. like the end of the an era. I mean, I was such a goody too. My brother was the crazy. He was older, so he was always pushing it. Right. You know, and I'd be the one like, he'd always get. He would be the one to get hit first, and I would be the one screaming, crying, and running back in my room. So it was a very. Oh, so he he was the pioneer. He was always trying to push the boundary. I was always. He was the good boy. I was. He was the bad boy. I was the good boy. Then. It was only until I came out. Right. Then he was the good boy. I was uh, the bad. I was the bad he, girl. He was the good boy. You were the gay guy. Oh my god, it was horrible. Then, it, then did there's you, nothing. Then what did you? What are the big? Ho- what did you come out? What holiday did you come out on? No, I I came out sort of mid February after like Valentine's. Like, so just like Abraham Lincoln's birthday or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> During Black History Month, <laughs> just to confuse my parents, right? Mom, look, Dad, I've got I'm, this Harriet Tubman uh, <laughs> videotape I want you to watch, and, and right afterwards, i got something to tell I've you. Been smuggling slaves <laughs> and men. <laughs> wow, talk about the Underground Railroad. Right, right. I don't even know what that means. But right, no, just, but I was, I was sneaking down to Chicago on my own Underground Railroad. There it was. See, it all comes full circle. I, was high, I, I, was just, I lied to them. I didn't know I was going to. I was going to this gay youth group. And getting support, and that's what like a them. Christian youth group. No, 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 a gay support group in the city. Oh, I there, see. Because there was some TV show, those ABC show. The irony is that uh, uh, Martin Sheen played the homophobic dad who had to deal with, you know, this kid who comes out. Really? Mar- is that like Marlo, an Marlo Thomas was the freaking out mother. Wow, she was like no grandkids. Right, I don't right. Get to cuddle but, anybody. But, but now Martin Sheen's with. Uh, 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 you know the oh god, Frankie, what? Frankie. What's the new Netflix thing with it's? Uh, oh, they have a new show, Martin Sheen. Yeah. See, well, this is where we need a research engineer, a right, research, right, right. you know, assistant. Frank, Frankie, and uh, what call it? It's oh, the woman with the I can't. I'm totally blanking. What is she playing? Oh, she, I love this game. She, oh yeah, uh, you know, feel the burn was the jazz size. Oh yeah, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda and uh, the one woman show Broadway. Uh, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. So they play old broads. It's old like broads, old, yeah. and they broke up with their husbands because their husbands were gay, and their husbands oh, were with each other. Oh, interesting. So the funny thing is, Martin Sheen first the la- first time I saw Martin Sheen, he played the homophobic father, and now he's playing the gay dad. So he's in and around that topic like throughout his career. Right, it's just funny. Like Benicio del Toro has been in the drug enforcement, uh, you know. <laughs> Racket since you know what's the one uh, years ago? It, I can't even think of it. It was filmed in three colors. What's the drug tra- tra- traffic? Oh, uh, okay, right, right. And now he's in you know in Sicaro. Did you right. see Sicaro? No, no. Sicario. Sicario. Oh man, that's, a, that's an interesting movie. 
it's about the Mexican drug cartel. Oh, anyway, is that, is that wow? We're really we are everywhere. I just like to jump all around, man, because it always comes back. I never even finished that story way back right. about the Fallon thing, but we'll get you know, right, right. To we'll we'll come going. back to that. But so. So, so wait a minute. No, you, wait, you're, you're going back and you're, forth. You're, you're interviewing me now. Okay. I just want to be generous, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. It's if so you, funny. Because you know what? I like to test someone's true curiosity in me because I'm really good at asking questions. Right. So if someone's really interested, they will surmount my wave of questions but if their ego succumbs to it that means they weren't well, also really interested feel, there's also a codependence like well, he just asked me a question i can't say no i will not answer the question sir you oh, know? right but well, <laughs> you don't have to get oliver north i mean there's a range in between you know this is like, I, this is my own benghazi my, my, <laughs> my lawyer says that i can't uh, according to the video i went to the gay youth group once a month well the gay youth group okay so i went to a group that was like that it was actually it was Alateen that friends of mine in the next court over when we moved from the trailer park they were going to Alateen and I just was friends with the kids and they took me to this Alateen oh like a teen support like a teenage meeting for for people that have alcohol problems my parents did not drink but my parents parents you know on my mom's side definitely drank you know and it was a problem it was an issue and so that meeting helped me. It was uh, like if the medicine okay. helps, you might have the thing. Right. That right, kind of right, thing. Right, right. And I went to those meetings and I felt better after I left. But that was only if, like, but I, I know what you mean by going to these like surreptitious, furtive little meetings that somehow help. Right, right. Well, know? that gave me the courage to like, to be fully out and all that. But I want to, I want to come back to you. All right. Uh, so hey, this wait, was wait. happening. Hey, it will come back to you. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey. That's a, that's a gift I have. I, dun, dun, you, dun, dun, any dun, fr- dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Uh-oh, we have a royalty to pay that we just sang it. I uh, know that's right. Well, but no, that's fair use cuz it's for educational purposes. Oh, okay. Uh we're going to teach you something so that's about your grandma and her person or double wide. Right. Uh, or double so, wide so purse. Now, so this was a skill you had, but how did this Right. Get into stage and how did you become right. stage? This comedic actor, okay. comedian, like what because you're in a trailer. Right. How, how did you get here? Because that's it's, ridiculous. You know what, Rich? And I think you could probably uh, verify this for me. It's just in you. It's just born in you, the desire to perform. Here's what I was doing. We would have Thanksgiving in the double wide trailer at my grandmother's. And my cousins will tell you to this day, I was leading shows, plays. We would do historical dramas about the pilgrims coming over. <laughs> I would. I would So lead- the revisionist version where they would be loving and make... You know, well, they were black. They were black. The pilgrims were black. At least the one pilgrim was. Did you give smallpox blankets? Who, who's that? We did. <laughs> did you rape the women and then give them take their land? Oh my God! No, I mean we, you were like little kids. It was no, just all happy. It was all innocent and happy. Like we, we, we. I would read from my little encyclopedia. Like what happened? My my parents definitely were big into getting making sure information was in front of me. You know, I had uh, the Funk and Wagnalls set of encyclopedia uh, okay. yeah, from, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, grocery yeah. store. Yeah. You get the A one week, you get the B, B next week, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, right, So I had those, I had the Tell Me Why series. Anyway, I would lead these, you know, and reluctantly the parents would, you know, stop talking and turn around to watch whatever show we had cooked <laughs> up. You know what I mean? And there's always like one uncle who just didn't want the show to go down. And that was always the guy I was trying to win over. Right, you know, right, I was like, right. that's heckler, all right, you motherfucker, got- you're going to be the one I'm going to make laugh. You're going to be the one I'm going to make like me. And I won't say which uncle it was for me, but he definitely did not 
want uh, <clears throat> these historical revisionist dramas. Is he alive now? Does he know he is alive. what you're doing with he, your life he now? He is alive. He is. But see, that's a really tricky question. For me to, to say any more about that will give away exactly who it is. Oh, but okay. I'll just put it this way. You know, um, when I visit, and I love them now. I love his wife. This is my aunt. Um, I, I get a sense that he loves and approves of, of what I'm doing, but he's not actually in a place where he can totally communicate that. Right. 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 So now everybody knows who it is. <laughs> so there it is. No, but I guess there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, at one time I just, maybe he didn't even feel particularly against us performing, but I felt like right, he was. But also it's, it's your thing is like, I need you to like, I need to get all three cherries in your eyes. I need to get right. Bing, bing, right. Bing, bing, bar, bar, bar. I, wanna, I right. want everyone to like, Right. Well, at least at that point, and I have to say that has changed. There were some very key moments in my training and development as a performer where, and I've had one of them recently, a breakthrough. You know how you have a breakthrough? Tell me, tell me about one of your breakthroughs. Like, no, no, really. Like where you're like, wow, wow. I had some crazy audience that before I went up, they were all singing this homophobic, misogynistic, transphobic song. Because this guy was like clapping, like, Jake's got a dick that's bigger than mine. Come on, everyone. Jake's got it. And there's a whole audience, like 150 people are singing this song. And one of the. And I'm supposed to go up after that. That's his closer to his bit. But it's like. Oh, oh the comedian was saying the comedian that. Got singing, it, got it. The audience is clapping like it's, you know, some. A revival. Music. It's yeah. Like a, yeah, it's like church. So I'm just like, uh, I have to go up. And they've already said, you know, whatever. Sulu's a fag. And I'm wearing like a Star Trek shirt. You oh know, like I'm going on stage and I'm like, oh, great. This is a very small, North Central Connecticut, so it's very kind of rural and white. And I get up there, and I was, like, so scared. But I couldn't not do it. Right. Because I was already subbing for one of my friends. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. Just go. And I'm, like, shaking. And I get up there, and the microphone falls out. Like, it pops off. The thing, you know. They're like, like, woo! And I'm like, I put it on one, two, one, two. I'm like, hey, surprise. I speak English. And the audience starts laughing. I said, and I said, I looked around and I just said, and I was so scared. Of course. And I'm like, I said, even the dishwashers in this place are white. Get used to it. You know, and I just sort of like called them on it. Nice. And I just kept going and going. And Good. by the by midpoint of the show, they're like, one person yells out, we're so happy for you. I'm like, uh, a half hour ago, you were trying to, wanted to lynch people like me and sing a song about wow. it. Wow. See how fickle people are, the sheeple. Crazy. But I, I let, walked out of there, you know, with them totally idiot out of my hand you know what and i was that was my game changer moment i thought oh my god that was the scariest room to do and now they love me that was transformative moment transformative you see what i'm saying uh no maybe not so what was what no wait 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 uh, wait let's double back here (laughs) no because there's a couple things now we could do a podcast together (laughs) that's it man listen to this i i get it you, it, you know, I said because of the sheeple. I don't act- actually believe that. Often I will say things I don't believe because I think, I think a lot of people do consciously say things they don't believe to sort of manipulate something. I sometimes say the worst possible thing you could say in that sin- scenario. I think that's Amy Schumer sometimes. I think that's her, you know, her sort of uh, one of her comedic uh, barometers is what is the worst thing that could be said here right now as a joke, as a right, plumbing right, right. of the depths, All the way to the but edge. not necessarily her point of view. It's, oh, this is the thing in the zeitgeist that needs to be said. Well, what I credited my mother for earlier, that I say that thing that needs to be said. My mother was an old Italian mafioso male. <laughs> um, so, But you went up there and you had them doing a different thing by the end. That says a lot to me about how close people are at any given moment 
to being more accepting and more loving. Like that could have been a mob with pitchforks and torches that went out and hurt somebody, or it could be a, a, a reformed, open-minded, new age, you know, body, depending on who's churning, stirring up the, the pot, you know? And I see this with the current political campaign that's going on now. It's like, I, I, I feel like Donald Trump is a troll and I don't speak against Donald Trump. I think he understands what it is to type something in and have people react to it. And right, he right. enjoys that. Right, right, right. Because right. that's his skill set, too. Just like rabble rouse, say this, go right over to the edge and go, rapists. Ha, ha, that's it. Mexicans. <laughs> wall. You know, key words. And he's like, you know what? I got my own money. I don't rely on anybody so I can get it stirred up. And to him, noise on the news cycle is just as good as being right or ethical. It's the loudest. When you come from a dysfunctional home, the loudest person is usually the rightest person, right? right Not right. necessarily the rightest person. Right, right, right. You know? They just win. <laughs> and so that's the environment we're in now. The He's the loudest in some ways, and he's he is saying a lot of things, I think, that just like Schumer. I be, but he's ostensibly not a comedian. But I have a theory. And my good friend, I won't name her, but she's very, I respect her a lot. She, dis, she's, she disagrees with me on this. I feel like uh, Donald Trump is a comedian. Huh. I feel like he's a comedian. I feel like he is a performer. I don't feel like he really buys into much of what he says. He's just going with it. Right. Well, like the way he sort of, does his crowd work at the debate, like trashing Rand Paul, like, oh, I could say I didn't say anything about your hair. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like it's that's like a, it's a great if he was if he was like doing a sh at Gotham, that'd be great at Gotham. It like, would exactly awesome crowd work, but it happens to be with all these presidential candidates. But why is that different? <clears throat> why is that less important why is that more dangerous? Well, people are like, well, because he's got his hand he could possibly have his hand on nuclear warheads or this. I don't know, man. I, honestly, I'm going to go deep here. I'm not even sure any of the world is actually going on out there right now. That's where I exist. Right, right, right. You know? Right. I, I'm not sure what's real. Right. It's just all just a conversation, a collective agreement of some fantasy or some illusion. I don't even know how to put it into words anymore. I, I, I meditate regularly, and I've touched on some things that really caused me to believe that reality forms around you as you go. I, I don't right, know. It's yeah. hard. I've had my reality really uh, altered as a result of being sober for two decades, meditating regularly. I'm, I'm definitely not the kind of guy that looks at the news and gets frightened anymore. Right. It's not to say that on the material level, nothing bad could ever happen to me. Right. Bad. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, I don't believe that. I believe... Bad things could happen to me and those I love and care about. Um, but I, language breaks down right after that. Right, right. Well, yeah. it's also putting form on the, on the formless. Yes, and I, and I think that's really, it's almost like there's, if, if I could imagine it animated, it would be like we're walking and it's, uh, I can't even do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to go there because I don't know what reality is. I really don't know what reality <laughs> is, Rich. I don't. I don't know if we, if anybody does. So then there's story. So you came in, told a different story when you went on second. Right, right. And this guy was telling. Right. Were you guys doing anything different? What? Me guys? You guys? You and the performer before you at this Connecticut place. Oh, 
uh, I just said, fuck it. I got to do my thing and let's bring it. And I just whipped out my song and did my, you know, and I went from table one to table two to table three, table four. I did very like crowd work 101 to just win them over. I was fucking scared because this is like a hard room. Wow. But they were like, but they were actually, once you call them out, they were having a great time. And just by, by the time I got to the fourth, fifth table and called back one to two, two to three, four to five, you know, you do the basic whatever. They were like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Wow. And then it came out, which was, a, you know, I waited to come out till a little later because I was like, oh shit. You know, because they're all like, I don't know, is that guy gay or just Asian? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Gaysian. So it was great. I mean, you just call that out too, and that just brings them in further because they're like, oh, well, you know, I was thinking, and it's, you know. But isn't and that it, interesting? It's amazing. You face death. We really are the modern day ancient Roman Christians. We, now I'm not saying we're Christians, I'm saying we <laughs> go out from that cage and face the lions in the pit, you know? Right. And Caesar's up there, and he says, Good or bad. <laughs> bad die. Now, I want to go back to you. All I right. want to focus on you. Here we go. So all those stories, all those pageants, at wh- how did that sort of, w- the, how did that world, con- how did you connect that skill set to, like there's a bridge between that and being on Jimmy Fallon and being, you know, the Obama. Right, on, right. On you, The Tonight Show. You know, you know what it is? It's a great question. And, I, and I'm not sure I really do reflect exactly on this that much. And maybe that changes all the time, too, uh, what the answer is. But this is one I have today. Um, <clears throat> as you asked me that, I, I got a sort of sense, visual, feeling, impression that I really wanted to connect. I really wanted to do what we're doing right now which is we're sharing and we're having fun. We're going back and forth. And I love that. I really do. It just, there's nothing better than this. Um, and I wanted that. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know. I, I grew up in a time and then a particular maybe family strain where everybody kind of went to their own comfort corner you know, whether it was food or whether it was, you know, sex or whether it was uh, you know, drugs or pills. I saw a lot of that, you know, in my neighborhood and stuff. People had their own thing that they went to for comfort. And the coming together was often this sort of like sunshine, grumpy, you just pulled me out of my thing. What do you want? Connecting. Huh, huh. So the connecting that was happening was often grumpy and pulling me out let me get back to my thing and they right. go back to their thing even you know getting together if you come from or you know and i went on to have friends who were you know big drinkers and people that would do drugs and stuff you know at certain years when i was upper teens and young you know young, young 20s um and i would notice that people were gathering over foods huh. and over liquors and over drugs but it was the substance for many people that was the excuse. It wasn't really the people. Huh. Like I'm not on any drugs right now. I'm right, on right. water right, right now. Right, right. I'm on water and meditation. So was there like a talent show or something in like what what was the moment you discovered your superpower to perform that wasn't just like a I'll pageant at home, let, let, oh, but like right. that showed me like oh this could let me tell you do something with let this. me tell you exactly. It's a great question to to make that distinction. There's there's a there's a couple of things. Um, we had a fifth grade talent show and Mrs. Hikes uh, threatened to take it away from me um, and she would get me to behave by bargaining with me. You know, you're going to lose uh, the talent show. You okay. won't be in the talent show. Behave because I was a really distracted student from early on. 
And she said, uh, she tried, but so anyway, talent show day came and my mother made me this golden toga that was like, you know, <laughs> and, this, and out of, you know, these plastic leaves that we had, green leaves and a coat hanger, she made me a, uh, one of those, oh, the, you know, Laurel, Laurel. Laurel wreath yeah, thing, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was a Caesar because I had told her about this sketch I wrote. It was the first sketch I'd ever written. And there's actually a videotape out there no. of it. I don't have it. I'm in the process of trying to get it from a girl whose parents, a girl whose parents were filming it on one of these huge Betamax like cameras back then. And I remembered who they were and I've gotten in contact with them recently. Anyway, so I, she said, don't improvise. When you're on that stage, do not change what you rehearsed. And what it was, was I'm in this park and I'm a statue standing there in the gold. That's why my mom made me the gold lame toga and the thing, little belt to cinch it with. And my mom was very crafty with that stuff. So I'm standing there, and the idea is Harry Rebstock will come in to sit at the bench that's at my feet. I'm a statue. And I'll tap him, and then I'll change positions. And I tap him. He looks up, and I change positions and freeze. Tap him. I change positions and freeze. And he's like, wait, just a second. This statue's moving. What's going on here? It's a very Hal Roach, like, you know, old-time, you know, right, single right. reel comedy stuff. Right, right. And so then Mark Rosenthal comes in and he's the next guy that comes into the, the, the park and I tap him and then I change and freeze and then, then they start to think it's each, it's each other. Right, right. Turn them against each other. They run away and I get the newspaper that they leave behind and I sit down on the bench and that was my sketch. But Rich, when I came out in front of the fifth grade auditorium full of fourth and fifth graders and I began to do those hijinks. Now, Ms. Hikes is on the side. She's pregnant, okay? And she says, you know, she says, do not deviate from that script <laughs> and that's all you want to do now i is will deviate. kill you <laughs> and she's the feral mother creature so she could do it and uh <clears throat> i don't know that i consciously wanted to deviate right then but when they, it was pandemonium they broke out and they were so excited the, the kids were so excited that I was interfering like this with these people, these patrons, these adults, they were playing adults and, and that I was interfering with these two guys on the bench and they just went nuts. So I, I just took over the thing that causes us to be the guys with the microphones at one lighted end of the room in comedy started, I think that day yeah. because I saw the power that was happening. And here's what happened. I took off my gold belt, deviated from the script that wasn't in there at all. I held it above my head snapped it two times in the air and I said, do you want me to strangle him? <laughs> and they go, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they can't take it and uh, they, the blood lust from ancient Rome and they're like, yeah. These are fifth graders? Yeah, fifth grade, fourth and fifth graders. And that <laughs> answer surprised me. And over to the side, Miss Hikes is like, you get down from there, you get down. And what I realized was this, it's me think it can't get better, it gets better. None of the teachers that are standing semicircularly around the back of the gym, none of them know that I'm deviating from the script. They have no idea what was scripted, right? That was something done privately in the classroom. And I am in charge of uh, William Packer Elementary School because no one can <laughs> ah, stop me. Right. Miss Hikes is honoring this ancient tradition of don't interrupt the performer. She can't walk out the 12 feet. She doesn't want to expose herself. Right, right. And I realize that when you are center stage, no one can, you know, the, the, the angry woman in the wings cannot get to you or whoever that is. Right. The angry uncle or whomever, they can't get to you. You are in charge. Wow. And I was running. You're like I in the vortex. I was in charge of the school. Right, Do you right, realize right, that? Right, Nothing right. was moving forward until I decided to stop improvising <laughs> that skit. So you had your hit. That was your oh. hit. 
that was in your blood. It was like, that's it, man. I'm done. This is what, <laughs> can you do this? I was just like, can you do this for a living? Any, and then this group came to my school and they did a two person Wizard of Oz with like a, just like a clothes rack and a hanging piece of sheet. And they just, and I was like, oh wait, people do this. Right. People do this. Wow. I like it. Wow. So then you were like, I got to figure out how to do this. I got to figure out how to do this, man. Who's doing this? I, you know what? It's not, it's honestly, it's looking back and writing the story. Every bit of that is true. Right, right. Writing the story, I have more Wait, clarity. did you strangle him? I did not. No, I just threatened to. And then they were just like, yes, yes. <laughs> and then we just, pretty, you know, eventually I got back, got us back on the track to the script. And then they got off. And then I took the newspaper, snapped it. And then I went to go face Miss Hikes, who I'm sure. Do you remember any of that? Was I don't. It's you were, one of those you were so you were probably so peak. It's one of those peak moments. Nothing where she said could have could have harmed you. At there's that other point. moments like that in my in my life. I won't go into it, but I, I snuck out and bought candy that we weren't supposed to have when I was in basic training, and I brought it back to the soldiers. Oh right, 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 right. right I brought right. that in the back. Story, I it, that. Uh, right, exactly. That was in that story too, and. Um, and, and that's another example where this peak moment happened. The drill sergeant caught me. Why do you have this candy? And I showed him my stretch marks and my belly from having lost 100 pounds and whatever. Um, and I can't remember what happened after I got back to the guys in the barracks because I'd collected their money and uh, went out and got this candy. Anyway, whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm relating it to the peak moment and you can't really remember exactly what happened right afterwards. Right. Well, it's all a blur because that huge explosion, like your uh, body is just trembling from that the rush. The adrenaline. That rush. The rush. It was, I was in charge of the school. Right. Do you, do you, it, for real. Right, right. How long could I have kept it going? I don't know. Right, right, right. But I'm probably still trying at some level. And you, and you, and there's that thing when you're that young, the first time you feel like the whole universe like you, like you step right on that spot in the vortex and the whole universe is flowing through you in right. that moment. You're yes. like, oh, there's something yes. beyond just me, but I'm connecting to it. And there's like, ah, yeah. oh, yes. and you yes. almost can see, it's like, it's like you can, you're standing in one spot, but you can, you, I don't know, it just changes your whole perception of reality. Well, it's just, I go back to that moment with you in Connecticut and, and not only are you there, I call it the pitcher's mound in the World Series. Right. All the confluence of all that energy, the Christ point is what I right, call it right, sometimes right, too. Right, it's right. like the confluence of all these listeners and watchers and power, and you're just like channeling it. You're right. just like, like you just said, I couldn't have said it better than you just did. Um, anyway, so yeah. yeah. Oh, and you're at that moment, and you change the polarity of what that energy was. You know, you can be Hitler at that point, or you could be Gandhi at that point. Right. What are you going to do? Bad boys, bad boys. Oh, what you gonna do? Oh, what you gonna do when the Christ point comes to you? Well, what are you gonna do with all that energy when you get it? You know. Right. So, so you, you yeah. went to? Did you? You were in the uh, military, but how did you get to school to train, or did you just leave the military and audition? Like what? What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I performed there? a lot in the military. Actually, I was in the army for four years. I was really a terrible soldier. I got in so much trouble. Um, I just wasn't a good soldier. Uh, I remember, I realized how self-centered I was when I was in basic training. There was the head drill sergeant, just imagine Mickey Rooney, but like a little bit on steroids and like, but always screaming, right? This little drill sergeant guy, God damn it, you goddamn soldiers. Little white guy, little, he's like, he was like yeah, a yeah, fire yeah. hydrant. 
And he was always yelling, always yelling. He wasn't yelling directly at us because he wasn't our drill. He was the, the 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 main drill sergeant. He was in charge of the other drill sergeants. So he wasn't responsible for us face to face and day to day. But I just saw his anger. He was so angry. And um, I'm just having a weird mind thing right now because we just came from a parent conference for our son who's in this school. And they said that he sometimes says, are you angry with me? And this is what I asked that drill sergeant 20 plus years ago. We were out on a field exercise. Everything had settled down a little bit. We're weeks and weeks into the program now. And he's out there with us, which is a rarity. I'd only ever seen him yelling and angry. Now he's out there a little bit more relaxed. We're in the chow line out at this thing we're doing. And he comes over. and I, I, I sort of walk up to him. He's milling around with the other drill sergeants just hanging there. And I get a parade rest. And I go, senior drill sergeant. Uh, I said, I, just, I wanted to ask you a question if I could. Okay, what? I said, um, are, you, are you angry at me? And he looked me up and down, tilted his head, and he goes, who the fuck are you? He had no idea. I thought he was completely focused on me and the anger was about me. And this guy didn't you know, know who I was. Who you were. Right. Wow. So that showed me how self-centered right. I was, how right. narcissistic I was, and how concerned I was with like what other people's anger, you know, other people's emotional states and trying to manage those, I think I think that's a lot of you know why some people get into comedy. I don't know if it's why I got into comedy, but I remember an early gig at the Comedy Cellar. This was probably in 2001 or 2002. I was just really getting into it. I was like, I, you know, I was, in a, I was in a play at the Guthrie and I was writing ferociously material in between and asking the other actors, do you think this is funny? Do you think this is funny? And when I get back to New York City, I'm going to go to the Comedy Cellar. And I went, went to the Comedy Cellar and did it a bunch. And at one point, I remembered saying to the audience, I had an epiphany. I said, I am trying to make a group of intoxicated people love me and this sucks you know you said it to and the audience yes and they didn't laugh much at that <laughs> but that's what a comic does that's all we do isn't that funny do you do, do you find that the levels of intoxication are something of a an, an, an impediment or do you find that they make it easier it, it depends it's always like is it the earlier show they're just having a little bit but if it's a late show Sometimes it's like, wow, what's the point of this shit? They're not even here. They're so, they're marinated in the in this stuff. So it, yeah, it, you know, they're not even. But do you feel like you say to yourself, well, I'm, I'm getting away with something. I'm being paid, and I don't even have to like worry about hitting the. the no, no, the, I'm trying. I'm hitting the ball to let the cross court down the line. Cross court down the line. I'm like, oh wow. Is it getting? Sometimes it doesn't. You don't get a solid hit with them because they're like, right. They're just too far gone, but. You know what? It's it, some other times they're just lubricated enough and they're having the best time. Yeah. But you, it's always like you just want them to have fun, whether it's because I was I did a coffee house once and they were amazing. They were all present. Wow. But there was no drug. I mean, there was caffeine, right, caffeine. but they weren't like, uh, uh, you know, but be, I, I want to well, lose. I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't want to lose the, 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 the bridge. So you were doing something. So you were at Guthrie. But what happened between the military and Guthrie and then getting into comedy well, I, I performed a lot in the army i did talent shows and i would win and i'd be in the 
the uh, the and you would do what the paper you, you well, do characters for, for, stand yes, up exactly you... I did I dressed I dressed as a, a a woman like a I basically did a complete rip off of Flip Wilson um, in this big dress with big boobs and this big ass it was like balloons or pillows or something and I was just I never worried about it I would just throw something together at the last minute and huh. I just knew I'd come up with something huh. I didn't rehearse much I just had like a song I could play. And I remember getting a lot of mileage out of the song Achy Breaky Heart. I played that. And then I did a cowboy who did part of a song. And then he called his brother out on the stage who was a Rastafarian. And I did that. And I was again in the paper. And my drill sergeant at Fort Drum, I won't say his name. My, my first sergeant, sorry, at, at, at Fort Drum. I think he did not like me. He was mixed race too. And I'll bet you that he had some sort of aspirations to be a performer do you ever find that like with people yeah, yeah, yeah. people didn't go for it it's a little venomous because it's like well how dare you because i'm not right exactly you're doing it and i want to do better than you and whatever i mean he hated me this guy i think he saw himself in me or me and himself or however you would say that yeah, or the frustration of not going for it so maybe and maybe it wasn't that but there was something i just feel like he just did he just aimed at me and didn't like me and you'd think because he was biracial that he would but he was old school biracial where i think he was just considered you know you know he's just a nigger you're just a nigger you just yeah it doesn't matter and i guess what i'm pointing out right now is a sort of gradation between all black and white that's been honored for better for worse uh since slavery times where the house diggers were the ones who would work in the house because they had some white blood what is that there's something there and anybody you know you you know you know there's something there which is for better or for worse, there's something about the scale of color and the mix of blood that has to do with the way you're treated or the way you treat yourself. Right, internalized racism. Right, Inter- right. You know, there's like a, there's always been like this ladder that I've seen, you know, in my mind's eye, <clears throat> where since I'm biracial, I I was taught to think because of the the ideas that were pervasive in the '70s in Maryland that black people were down on the bottom of the ladder, white people were up. And I was somewhere on the ladder, and I guess I needed to not have the people below me pass me, and I needed to climb up towards the people at the top. That was what was planted, hmm. and uh, and I've you know, and I've, I guess the way I've dealt with it is my mind has split off and gone into the spiritual dimension. Yeah, maybe you could say it's a way of not dealing with it. Right, right, right. But, but how I, I still want to know like what do you feel th- like there's an answer I'm not giving you? Yeah. What I, is it? What am I, I avoiding here? Oh, I just want to know like how did you get on the Tonight Show then? Okay. How did, how did I get on Fallon's, the Tonight Show? How did you become Fallon's Obama and you got to do your Obama voice? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Sorry. I you know I you know and I want to think I feel shame attack now because no, I'm like no because what think, I'm sharing think, is so. I think part of yeah. your skill from the trauma of your childhood gave you this special power, but at the same time, you know, to avoid whatever the pain was then you're also i'm leaning into you and it's a little intimate so oh. you're kind of running off and either you're doing something or else you're interviewing me right <laughs> there it is and i'm only saying that because i do it too but here's the other thing i did a show uh, the only brown kid in the trailer park up in uh, the capital region new york uh, just about a month and a half ago and I, I hold forth for a long time like i'm not afraid of, it's like i'm i'm so good at just holding forth myself that i always want to be sensitive that i'm not including other people that's what happens but i'm interviewing you okay well i'll get used to it so right. pretend i'm not here and you're just being you're, there's a All light right, so here's and the you're deal. being interrogated here's i want to know here's what happened here's what happened with the uh 
Here's what happened with Tonight Show. I got out of the army, found my way into a community college where I majored in music in Schenectady, Schenectady County Community College. Uh, the drama teacher said to me one day, hey, you've got a good ear, kid. You might want to consider the drama club, at least, if not switch over. One thing led to the other. I switched over to drama, did three semesters there, went to SUNY Albany, was right into the theater and drama department, started acting, played roles like Macbeth there, or J.J. Peachum in the Three Penny Opera. Like I was playing these <laughs> huge roles, right? These huge roles. And it was fantastic, and it was a great Sergius Saranoff in Arms and the Man by G.B. Shaw, you know. Um, so it was like a really good beginning of a training. And then locally, there was a TV show that was being cast in Albany. Armory Nissan was sponsoring this comedy show. It was going to be a capital area comedy show. It was called Loose Camera. I auditioned. I got on. One of the other cast members was James Fallon. Get out. And not only were we one of, the, one, one of the six. Uh, he was always Jimmy, but I call him James sometimes. Um, not only was he one of the six cast members, but he, he, he was going to school at St. Rose. And I was going to school at Albany, but we got along too. It's not like we were just on the same cast. I mean, he just killed me. And he was funny and creative in a way that I had not ever really experienced up to that point from another person. Example, we would go to the woods and I'd drive and pick him up, drive him. We went to the woods and I brought a bag full of novels and I would just read a sentence. He would read a sentence. I would read a sentence. He would record it. And I have a, a tape from way back then. And just, you know, read a sentence that was funny and try to make the other one match it with intentionality or thing. And we just go and go and go and go. Wow. Yeah. And he loved acapella music. I had Spike Lee's doing it acapella. He had Spike Lee's doing an acapella documentary. He's the only other person I knew that had that. So it was just like we had gathered the same little pieces of creative and cultural stuff that just made us buddies. We watched the O.J. Wow. Simpson car chase together. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that funny? But he was a great guy. And let me tell you about something. Everybody respected Jimmy back then. He was so popular. Always had star power. Everyone loved him. The girls, the boys, everybody loved Jimmy. Um, and he was just hilarious. And I, I tell this sometimes in my Only Brown Kid in the Trailer Park show. One day, like many days, when Jimmy and I would say farewell for the day, one day he walked away. And he walked away and he's about like 100 feet away and he was about to disappear over the rise in the street and as he was walking away it was pretty far at this point he began to do this really exaggerated pimp walk limp right and he's facing the other way he didn't look back to see if I was watching and that said one of two things to me this dude either is so confident that I'm still watching that he knows I'm watching and he doesn't need to check or he's just doing that pimp walk for himself huh. right now. Huh. And either way, he, was, he became my, my, I wouldn't say hero, but I would definitely say like someone I really admired. And he was always going to do stand-up comedy down in like Saugerties and the, the, like the, the, not the Union Hall, but like the, the Elks Club or whatever, something like that. 
down there and he would come back and give reports of how it went and i was like where is he going he's going to do stand up what do you do you just write stuff and you just go i don't understand what he's doing and i went off into the drugs and stuff and and stayed there for a while and uh you know he went off to do his thing so we did that show and then we were out of contact with each other for like three years this is 95 to 98 or 99 98 um right around then right around when he's about to get on saturday night live I'd never seen him ever in my life in New York City. Mm. Never. Not one run into him. We never went there together. Nothing. This is all in Capital District. I'm walking down the street. I'd done some. I'm getting sober now. I got some, um, I got some uh, spiritual work that I'm doing. And I'm on 50th Street. And I'm walking east. And I say I'm doing that spiritual work because I had never really hung out in this part of town. I was at my, my sort of spiritual mentor's you know, office building. And I start walking east, and lo and behold, there's a kid walking towards me with a guitar on his back. And he says, Dion? And I said, Jimmy? And I hadn't seen him, you know, in a while. And he said, uh, hey, man. Um, I just can't had makeup on his face. He had just come from his SNL audition. Oh, my God. So it was the first, I was the first human being that he saw coming out of it. What a cosmic synchronicity. Now, you have to say to yourself. Come on. And what, is, what book does he have in his pocket? What, the Alchemist? The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success oh, okay. yeah, by yeah. Deepak Chopra. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he turned me on to that, and I said, all right, I'm going to check that out when I'm ready. I wasn't ready at the time. Right, right, right. I was in graduate school at NYU in their grad acting program. That's where I was doing. He was at the Groundlings in L.A., we talked at the end of the summer. He said, I got it. I said, there was never a doubt. God bless you. He said, let's stay in touch. We never did. Wow. Then years go by. I go to grad acting. I finish that. Years go by. I, I get out of showbiz. I become a life coach for seven years. Yeah, because I was in Hamlet at the public theater with Leah Schreiber, and I had this epiphany when Andre Serban brought the lights up in the house, and I could see that my parents were not in the audience. I realized I was doing all of this only to try to get my parents to love me. Wow. And I said, that's not enough to have an acting career. I got to stop. So I stopped, learned a lot of things I needed to learn. And on the last day of my therapy at the Veterans Hospital, I'm sitting in the cafeteria at the VA on 23rd Street, and it's about 2010 or 11 now. And I was never going to approach Jimmy until I like had something to bring. I didn't want right. to go to my more famous friend and like, say, can you save me or help me or something? Right. You wanted to bring it. I wanted to bring something, right? I wanted to sort of do what he had done and sort of catch up and have some cachet to bring. Sitting in the cafeteria, my friend Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother, we went to school together, grad acting there. He said, hey, texted me, I'm going to see uh, Jimmy on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And he knew from years ago that I knew this guy because I was like, watch this guy. He's going to be huge. And... Uh, I'm going to be a guest because he had a movie out. Happy, happy, thank you more, please. And I said, uh, I said, oh, that's great, man. And I think he was checking with me to see before he said, hey, hi from Dion when he went to the show later that day. I think he was checking with me, my friend Josh. I'll have to ask him to see if I really knew Jimmy as well as I had claimed in the past or whether right. this was going to be embarrassing for him to say. Right, my, right, my right. Pal right. Dion says hi. So I said to him, I said, yeah, no, of course, say hi, he'll, he'll remember me. But I had my own doubts, even though in the 12 years that had passed or whatever. But then I got that message. I was sitting, like I said, it was the last day of therapy at the freaking VA hospital. And I got this message, which was, tell Josh you want to go. 
You want to be yeah. part of his entourage? I'd be like, go. Don't. Tell, tell, not tell go. Josh you want to go. You want to go too. Right. So I texted Josh. I said, hey, can I come with you? Be part of your entourage? He said, of course. Went, da da da, sitting in the dressing room. Jimmy comes back to greet the guests. He always does. He walks in. He goes, I just dropped the mic just to demonstrate his look of incredulity. And he said, Dion Flynn, get up here. And he hugged me up like three different times. And it was so, it just felt so good. Wow. He made such a fuss. I mean, honestly, it chokes me up a little bit right now as I'm telling you. Wow. Because he made such a fuss like, where the fuck have you been? Like, you know what I mean? And he sent word back after the show, I want you to come on and do some bits and we'll find out, you know, what, what yeah. we can do here. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. It really was just a sweet guy and everything you think that you know about him by what you see. Talk about a loyal, good dude. I I love him. So anyway, uh, I was doing like 12 characters and then one day somebody said, you kind of look like Obama. Why don't you come and audition specifically for that? And I did it. And, and I was working on Obama's voice. I was like, how do I do his voice? He he smoked cigarettes. He, he, he has smoked weed in the past. How can I like, how can I do his voice? Because it's a hard voice to do. He's black. He's white. He talks like he's black sometimes. Right, he but, talks he kind like he's of, but he kind of rolls in and out. It's sort of like over a rock in a river. <laughs> like it's white and black. Oh, it's, I like that. it's mixing. You know what I mean? It's not quite. He's not like a he's not like a Jesse Jackson, you know. No, he's definitely not. You know, and, and I knew there was that creak in his voice. Um, I listened so that weekend, getting ready for the audition, I listened to a bunch of uh, podcasts and just him, his voice in my ears. I was walking down the street next to my wife. Now we're married, baby's on the way, and I was walking down the street next to my wife, and she said, "Why don't you just use uh, his voice? Is not that far from yours. Why don't you just use your your know-it-all voice?" I was like, what's my know-it-all voice? She was like, your regular voice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, honey. Thank you. But she guided me. She actually coached me because it wasn't as far as I was reaching away. And you don't have to get it perfectly. You just have to sort of embody him. So first of all, if you want to do Obama, you got to lean back. You know, He's kind of leaned back in a sort of confident pose. Like He's kind of, you know, he's got that, uh, that creaky old door, that creaky old door sound <laughs> uh, that goes like that. And uh, like that, and he he leans back, kind of like he's watching uh, civilization destroy itself. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna get involved. I just know what's right, and I know uh, what we should do. And uh, if you're smart enough, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and do it. Uh, so that's that. It's, it's kind of <laughs> you know. Some people say it's a, some people say my voice sounds like a combination of a, a creaky old door and a chicken. Uh, I don't hear it. Uh, but <laughs> your vote will impact not only our lives, but our children's lives. Barack Obama. A lot of people want to know, how do you ask, uh, how does the president, uh, what does he say around the, the White House that we don't ordinarily get to hear him say? Well, I say things like this all the time. Hey, Joe Biden, uh, you want to do this last whippet? <laughs> Or how does the president ask for sex? Well, it goes a little like this. Uh, uh, and that's just the door to the Lincoln bedroom <laughs> opening. So, you know, it's like that. And, and oh, there's one other thing. I, I've been doing this lately. Uh, so, uh, you know, people say, how, how do you, it's such a stressful job. How do you, how do you get through it? Well, I smoke, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
You know what I like? Oh, God. That was a good one. I like to... Uh, <laughs> sometimes I just uh, like to sit here in the White House basement and just turn on my black lights and stare at my Pink Floyd posters. <laughs> you know, uh, I try to blow... Uh, I blow the exhalation, the, the pot smoke, into a, into a towel. I'm the most powerful man in the Western Hemisphere. And I got to blow weed smoke into a towel. (laughs) Because Michelle wouldn't like that. Michelle, oh, no, she's all about health conscious. Oh, you know, get the kids off the food. You know, after I take a couple of bong hits, man, the only thing I want to eat is that stuff she's trying to get us kids off of. (laughs) Twinkies and, you know, ho-hos and all that stuff. Look, I'm thin. I, I can afford it, you know. But, uh. I used to smoke weed back in Hawaii, back with the Toon Gang, you know. But uh, January 17th, 2017, I'll be able to smoke on the beach again. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on, Stoned Obama. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Stoned Obama. So anyway, that's that. Yeah, okay. So then the that was just the comet of your talent flying through this room. Did that make it, uh, did that, did it all make sense, that whole? yeah. Good. That was amazing. The whole journey. Dion Flynn, <laughs> I am so thankful for you today. Ah, thanks, I, 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 am, I, I wanted you to strangle the room that moment. <laughs> I understand the strangling the room. I am so, you guys, uh, I just want to thank Dion Warwick. <laughs> Dion Warwick. <laughs> I'm so high now. I just said Dion Warwick. He's so high. No, but didn't you feel, didn't you feel a little of, like I, you're high? I felt high watching you. <laughs> That's great. I was like. That's oh, wait, transformative. Oh my God. That's great. No, it's another world. I was in another world that for a is moment. Great. That's, That's why I just gr- called you Dion Warwick up so high. No, I know. <laughs> 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 well, I just farted laughing. <laughs> I'm getting older. I'm getting older, folks. Anyway, I got some stuff I can plug here. Emmy, oh, yeah. That's so, to. how can people <clears throat> find you? DionFlynn.com is how you can find me. Uh, so I, we got to spell it though: D I O N F L Y N N. Yeah, for those dot com. right, that's right. Dot, dot com, and uh, you know I do my only brown kid in the trailer park show. Um, I have uh, talks that I give that are based around that. You know about being other, uh, about drugs, about getting sober. Um, you know I sort of fix it a little this way and a little that way depending on what themes they're looking to bring out at whatever college or you know university i speak i did i got did some some talks in uh i do obama appearances and i did like you know one in london last month and one in amsterdam so you go out as obama i do obama yeah like i'll research the company once they hire me i pretend like obama has been spying on the company with the nsa and then I have all the inside jokes and all the inside material. Oh, that's great. And I sort of like roast them a little bit. That's great. Right? And so there's that. And it makes the local papers like when it happens. It's crazy. The trade journals at least, you know. Right, right, right. Um, I do agility training with corporate people just about how to get your mind. Don't get so fixated on, you know, um, you know how things should be. and Results. You know, results, right? Just like teaching people who are already creative how to give over to their creative selves. And I can, I can do it. I, you know, the, there's an agility exercise that I do with Josh Radner from you know, How I Met Your Mother um, called Clanging. We do that show about two or three times a year. And I, you can look that up online. We always perform that at the People's Improv Theater. Um, 
I, I, upcoming shows. Look, November 14th, I'll be at the Smithtown uh, Performing Arts Center. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser, Gilbert Gottfried and Seth Herzog for the, their fire department. And the 28th, I'm doing a showbiz Christmas holiday special, which I am really looking forward to. I think it's just going to be at the People's Improv Theater. Oh, that's in New York City. Yeah, in New York City. It's going to be um, just an extravaganza of uh, kooky people. And I'm going to just, I'm going to be true to my own voice of what I think is inter- entertaining and what I think holiday is, you know. And I think that's going to be a little goofy and edgy, but fun. Um, it'll be anything from like old video footage to people doing songs, you know, just like right. have yourself a merry little Christmas. Right. So whatever touches my heart, you know, I'm going to bring it out and get, you know, have people do it. Special guests will be there. So there's that. Anything I didn't say? Oh, yeah. My documentary, Real Father, about trying to find my real father, uh-huh. is going to be on iTunes within the next month. Wow. Yeah. A documentary. I went out. I had an address. A psychic from the FBI had given me an address. And whatever, blah, 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 whole story it unfolds A in there. psychic. Yes. That was attached to the FBI and all this stuff. And it was a TV show. I explained it all in the documentary. Okay, great. And then it's whether I find my, my father or not. So if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Gig Salad for my Obama or my website, DionFlynn.com. Okay, great. And you can also uh, go to WTYPod.com. That's WTYPOD.com. All the information about uh, Dion Flynn will be there as well. Dion, thank you so much for joining me today. My total pleasure. It was a oh, great deal of fun, Rich. That was great. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We love you guys. Later. It's a comedy journey.